Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Lindsay Fry Hockey Audio Experience. Today we're diving into the question of what is it actually like to be an Olympic athlete? And uh, when I got this question uh, actually from a group out of Portland, Oregon, I wanted to make sure that I brought in someone who would be raw and give us a really good, honest perspective. And so I brought in one of my former teammates on both my Harvard hockey team and my Olympic team in 2014, Josephine Pucci, and she is just such an incredible human being. She was a top defenseman at Harvard, uh, obviously a great defenseman for the Olympic team, and now has gone out and started some incredible work in the concussion awareness space and is also now training to be a doctor in the U.S. Army. She's amazing. I hope you thoroughly enjoy this podcast. Well, on today's episode, we have my friend and former teammate, Josephine Pucci, and Joseph and I played at Harvard together and on the Olympic team together, and um, the reason I invited Joseph onto the podcast is because we got a question out of Portland from Rose City Hockey Club. Um, they wanted to hear a little bit more about what it's actually like to be on the Olympic team. And so I figured um, it would be great for Jose and I to just kind of dig into that. But um, Jose also has a really incredible story of overcoming adversity that we're going to dive into as well. And um, just kind of talking about mental toughness and all those good things. So Jose, why don't you just kind of walk us through your hockey background and tell us a little bit about your hockey story? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Um, always good to catch up with you as well. I know we were chatting a little bit before we got started here, so it's great to be able to do that. Um, but a little bit about me and I guess my trajectory and path with hockey. Um, I'm from New York, so just north of New York City. Um, a really blue collar town. My dad's a cop in New York, or a retired cop in New York City, grew up wanting to play hockey his whole life and never really had the opportunity. Um, so when he ended up moving just north to the suburbs, he had this idea that his kids, no matter what, were going to play hockey. He ended up having three girls and signed us all up anyways. Um, and just grew up playing boys hockey, ended up going to uh, Connecticut for prep school because there's no girls hockey where I grew up. And then from there, um, with the opportunities I had at prep school, um, I was able to earn the opportunity to go to Harvard, play with you, Lindsay, and then uh, the opportunity to continue on and play in the Olympic Games. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, that's that's that story. Um, but I guess in regards to um, the adversity that Lindsay's alluding to was um, just, I guess, right before senior year of college, um, I had a pretty bad concussion. Uh, during my career um, at Harvard, I dealt with a couple of other previous concussions that had sidelined me. Uh, but this one was more severe where um, it was really affecting everything I was doing, whether it was walking, reading, just emotionally, um, fatigue, there was extreme fatigue. Um, and it really became clear that I had to end up making a decision. Um, should I leave school? Should I stay in school? Should I stop playing hockey? Um, what did my future look like? There were a lot of uncertainties with that. Um, and I could talk about that for a long while, but I'll, I'll leave it to you, Lindsay, if there's anything specific that um, you think I should jump into in that regard, and I guess mindset in general. But. Yeah, I mean, I'll just kind of speak on that whole experience as somebody who played with you and was kind of watching it as an outsider. I mean, it was crazy. Like, you were literally, like, isolating yourself to a dark room right out of the gate there your senior year. Um, and I think the crazier thing, just to give people some context, is, is the timing of all that in relation to the Olympics. I mean, it was, um, it was right after we had, because it happened when we were at training camp or at the under-22 series in August, right? Mm -hmm. And then we started up school in yeah. September. But that was in, what, 2012? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're talking like you get this major concussion that you're basically making this decision. Do I completely withdraw from hockey and school less than a year leading into Olympic tryouts? So yeah. it was a, it was a crazy timeline and time frame. So I guess what I would want you to dig into, um, I mean, ultimately kind of talk about what decision you ended up making, but then also talk about, you know, during that challenging time, how did you, how did you stay mentally locked in despite all those challenges to be able to come back and be ready to go for Olympic tryouts in June? Yeah, I'm, those are great points to touch on and I'll definitely dive into them. And I think just to um, grow a little bit more on what you were getting at with in regards to the timeline, it really was, you know, just bad time. Um, it was two weeks before senior year, getting ready to move into the dorm. Um, you know, both of us were supposed to be leaders and upperclassmen for our college team and then it's our last season prior to Olympic tryouts so it's our last opportunity to really try and improve as much as we can um so you know in regards to making that decision um you know my thoughts were geez I'm supposed to be training as hard as I can right now all of my peers and teammates are training at a high level and I'm getting ready to forego my senior season and leave school so I can purely focus on recovery and trying to get better. Um, so ultimately that was the decision. So I went home and you know spent a lot of time in bed. Um, I was able to see a doctor who gave me um, a great recovery program to work, as, uh, to work on progress and trying to get better. And it was very effective, but it still took a while. Um, so in regards to just the mindset during the whole thing um, with, the injury with concussions in general, um, there's a whole lot of uncertainty what the timeline's gonna be like in regards to recovery, um, what symptoms feel like. They're just so different for everyone. They're just so unpredictable. Um, so, you know, just trying to accept the uncertainty and then to realistically accept the idea that I might not be able to play hockey again and that I might not be able to attend Olympic tryouts, which was my lifelong goal. I had been playing on the national team for two and a half years prior to this um, and all the, I'm within arm's reach and all of a sudden this dream might be taken away from me um, and I might not be able to even try and attend. So in my head, the biggest thing was one, just accepting that this might not happen. And being able to accept that um, eliminated me from holding on too tightly and getting too discouraged with every setback that I had. Because as I said before, recovery can be very unpredictable and there are setbacks throughout the entire recovery. You take one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, one step back. Um, So that was one thing. Um, I have a couple other things. I want to let you chime in if you want to, though. I don't want to talk. No, please keep keep going. This is all about you. Um, So, like I said, having that mindset. Okay, you know, I might not be able. I might lose hockey. I might not be able to go to Olympic tryouts, but I'm going to do everything in my power to try. Um, And this was me drawing on the lessons I heard from learned from hockey. So I'm sure that you've probably talked a lot about these lessons in previous podcasts or plan to in future podcasts, but just the ideas of controlling the, un- controlling the controllables and um, trying to prepare as best you can. Um, and with the concussion, a lot of the lessons I learned in hockey carried over. So I controlled my diet. I controlled my sleep pattern. I controlled my energy exertion. Um, You know, I wasn't able to do much early on, but I would stretch. I would roll out so that later on when I was able to do things, I wouldn't pull a muscle and a different injury would keep me from getting to where I want to be. So I was trying to control everything I could. Uh, But that being said, the concussion also presented new challenges that I had to learn in the moment. Um, So for example, um, in sports, we're always used to go, go, go. And if you're not where you wanna be, you have to work harder, try harder, put more time into it. And it's the completely opposite with the concussion. You need to slow down and be patient and to just try and have the faith that 
you know, things will be okay if, if, you know, I just slow down a little bit yeah. and, um, you know, just wait um, and let time pass. And I didn't want my greatest strengths in hockey to ultimately lead to my downfall and um, lead to me getting injured again with this concussion. So like with hockey, we're such competitors. Um, and <laughs> as, I, as I started to improve, I had to, I started to work out more and I moved back to Boston and I started to work out in the same gym as the national team players. And they're all working out at full steam and they're crushing it. And I'm in that same workout building as all of them. And I had to keep telling myself, your time will come, your time will come. You just need to do the process, take the slow steps. And, you know, I was used to being able to do like a whole bunch of pull-ups, right? But with the concussion, the pull-ups really triggered my symptoms. So, you know, I would have my teammates go up there, rip out a bunch of pull-ups, and I would just do a few. Because even though maybe I could physically do more, it wasn't my time to prove to them what I could do or couldn't do. It was my time to recover and focus on that recovery and to be patient and have confidence in my recovery process. Um, and then one last point I wanna mention is, um, you know, something I also learned was when you, when you, when I lost a lot, I felt like when I went home, I lost the opportunity to be around my friends, I wasn't in school anymore. I wasn't playing hockey. I wasn't doing the things that I loved. And, but I was still happy, even though I was home and dealing with the uncertainties. And I realized that that was because I was around people who loved me, people that I loved. And I still had my support system in my backbone. And my backbone was my family. And I was able to spend precious time with them. I was able to visit my grandmother for the first time in, in a long while. Um, and she had passed away a little while after that. So that was very precious time for me. Um, and I was able to go to church more. That was just being able to be at mass. It, it didn't really trigger my symptoms and it was just a, a nice thing to do for me at that time. Um, and it, it made me have, I was doing some more meditating, like little things like that. Um, so it, it just, that's another thing, like just being able to find happiness in other areas outside of the rink. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it's funny, the reason I was kind of giggling, like it's, I've never really heard you say that before, but it's so true. Like to not mm -hmm. let what made you a good hockey player hurt you during that time. Like for people who don't know you, like go YouTube Josephine Pucci and you will see <laughs> what she's talking about. I mean, like she... I don't know. You've always been someone that I've looked up to um, when it comes to work ethic. And it's just you go 150% every time you're on the ice, off the ice, doesn't matter. So um, that's that's super interesting to think about because I imagine there are a lot of people like that who all they want to do is work their hardest to get through their injury. And working their hardest is just relaxing and being patient. But um, I love I mean, you couldn't have hit on more of these concepts. I've been doing um, a lot of like mental performance stuff on my Instagram and Facebook pages and you hit like every single concept, whether it's uh, meditation or control the controllables or trust the process. I mean, it was like every single one of them. And so this stuff is really important. And I think when you say like you took all the stuff that you learned in hockey and then applied it to your injury, um, it's, it's just kind of a testament to what I've been preaching to a lot of people who have been following some of my other pages is that you don't want to wait to work on your mental game until you need it. You want to be working on it now. So then when something like this happens, which hopefully, you know, this doesn't happen to a lot of people, but if, and when it does, and you face some sort of adversity, you're mentally prepared to be able to overcome it and, and work through that. So why don't you kind of finish the story and we'll use that as the segue into talking about the Olympics and, and what it's like to play for the team. So when did you like, when were you cleared to actually come back and try out for the Olympic team? Yep. So it was 
it was definitely a very gradual process, as I've been saying. Um, but like I got clear to work out fully, you know, and then I got clear to uh, basically I was cleared about a month before Olympic tryouts, but I was trying to avoid contact at all costs because I just wanted as much time to pass as possible. So when I got to the Olympic tryouts, I was actually in my first real game since my injury. Um, and I accepted the fact that, you know, hey, I might be more stale than the other players here who have been playing in game scenarios all season. But because I was so confident in my progression, in my preparation, in my recovery, I was in recovery. And that was crucial because if you're not confident in your recovery, you'll be hesitant when you play. And I was confident that I had fully recovered and that I was able to sustain hits and I was able to work out fully and push myself to the limit without triggering symptoms. So that was really in confidence. But anyways, um, I went to tryouts being confident in my conditioning and I crushed conditioning, but I had to accept that, you know, I might not be at the top of my game right now in regards to um, during game like scenarios and I just needed to be ready to try and improve every day. Um, so anyways, we both ended up making the team or the pre roster for those games. And that was definitely special. Um, and we can segue more into that now, I'll fully lead. But I do want to say one other, th other thing regarding what you had just mentioned before about how these are lessons that you, or mindsets that you want to develop now. Um, and I think you're a great of this, where you use it in sports and like I used it in my injury, but you're using it like professionally and I'm using it professionally too. Like after sports, we have these mindsets that I think give us a leg up in in scenarios in life and in job opportunities and in whatever we're doing so yeah no it's so true and I you know I think to that point like when you play a sport every single day is different every practice is different like you are facing something different every single time that you are practicing your sport or playing your sport and I think it just really helps you develop a lot of those skills that ultimately are going to help you when a virus shuts down the entire country and you have to figure out how you're going to mentally adjust and adapt if you get laid off from your job or whatever it is. So you're absolutely right. Um, so talking about the Olympics, this is where kind of get to talk more about the fun stuff. Um, so for people who don't know the, just to make an Olympic team is kind of a weird process. Um, you know, the, the Olympics are obviously only, every four years. And in the non-Olympic years, there are a couple camps during the season and a world championship um, and a four nations tournament. So there are only maybe two or three, sometimes four times that the national team players meet up and either train together or play together. And just because you get invited to one camp or one tournament does not guarantee that you're going to get invited for the next one. So you constantly are having to earn your spot and nobody's ever really safe. Um, and even at the Olympic tryouts, like Joseph was saying, we made the initial roster in June of 2013 and we had 25 people at that point. And it was kind of like miracle. We had to be down to 21 by January 1st. And so, you know, you're so excited. You've, you've made the team or at least made the initial roster but going to practice every day, knowing that there's a chance that you're going to get cut is really stressful. Like practice in my mind is where you're supposed to be able to be creative, make mistakes, not be afraid of messing up, um, to be able to grow and get better. And yet that's exactly how I, at least I felt personally, I was always worried about my spot. I was always worried about not making it. Um, and, and it was a really grueling process mentally, especially, um, so I don't know, Joe. like, do you want to just kind of share your perspective of, we'll just, we'll just kind of start with that training period before we knew if we were going to make the team or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that time was, I mean, it was amazing. And the way I, th the first thing I think about is that 
every single day we were challenged to our limits, both physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. And it's a 24 seven job. Um, you know, you're at the rink all day, you're at the gym, um, you're focusing on eating the right foods, but then you come home and, you know, I, I would eat, try and wind down a little bit. And then I would just reflect, I would reflect on the whole day. Um, think about the areas that I needed to improve on. We're getting constant feedback every day, constant, um, areas of improvement, some criticism, maybe less encouragement, but you just need to take it. <laughs> You just need to take it. And what I would do is just be like, okay, like here are the things that I'm will make better tomorrow. And I reflected on those, made my little list, and then I would visualize myself doing it. And then the next day I would try and do it and I would try and improve. And basically my goal was just get better every day. And that was all I tried to focus on. And instead of focusing on trying not to be cut, I focused on get better every day. So instead of running away from something, I was running towards something. And that that helped keep me more sane and have a more positive outlook um, in regards to what we were trying to work towards. But yeah, no, for sure. And honestly, I mean, I, I will fully admit that, like, if I could do it all over again, I would have a completely different mindset and definitely be a lot more like you because um, I did, I, I struggled a lot personally. I mean, every day was, was a grind and it felt like every day was a tryout for, at least in my mind, I really struggled too with the lack of balance, you know, it, cause it was, it was a full-time job. And I think, you know, you take for granted when you're in college, it's so easy to feel like, oh, I just, I wish I didn't have to worry about school and I could just be a hockey player. Well, the problem is like, that's, it's great to just be a hockey player when you have good days. But when you have days where, like you said, you're maybe getting some of that negative feedback or criticism, when your spot's on the line and you get criticism and you don't have anything in your life to really take your mind away from that, it can be really hard. And I struggled with that. I, I really learned to appreciate school during that time because when I didn't have school, I just would, like you said, I would just reflect and think and probably overthink a lot of the times things that I did well or didn't do well earlier that day. Um, so it's, it, it can definitely be a challenge from a balance perspective. Cause the other thing that was hard too, is like, you know, something for us that was a little weird was we were in Boston training. So all of our friends and teammates were still there. And in my case, I lived like walking distance from Harvard's campus, but it was just this bizarre feeling of like, wow, all of my friends live 10 minutes away from me, 10 minute walk away from me, and I never see them. And when I do, like, I don't get any of the inside jokes because they're, they're the ones in their locker room and we're in our locker room. And um, socially, it was, it was really challenging for me. But, um, and I think the other thing too that people forget about um, is, you know, it's, it's hard. It's Olympic teams are an aggregate of people from, a lot of different states, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different ages. I mean, we had, we had Jinsey Dunn on our original roster. She was 16 years old. And then we have had Chewy, who I think was 32, 33. I mean, it's a, it's a huge age range. And so like socially connecting with people can, can be a challenge. Um, and you're competing with people for spots on the team. So um, you know, obviously, like you said, every day, it, the, the experience itself was amazing, but there definitely were these little like nuances and challenges that I think a lot of people don't think about. Like they, they think it's, you show up at the rink and you work hard, you play hockey and you go home and you do it all over again. And, um, there's, there's just a lot to that. And I think to give people kind of an idea, like you said, with it being a full-time job, our our average training day, like I would leave our house, I think at eight, we'd get to the gym, 8.45, like get changed, get ready, whatever. We'd work out for hour and a half, maybe two hours, have a snack. We'd go over to the rink. We'd warm back up again, practice for usually like one and a half to two hours. We'd cool down. If you had any sort of like injury, you were sticking around for treatment. And you wouldn't get home until like five o'clock that day. And so it, it truly was like a nine to five situation. 
Um, and, and it was, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot more than just showing up at the rink for practice. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, that was kind of, kind of the training aspect. Yeah. I don't do you mind. Do you mind if I jump in with Please. some of the points you're saying? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I agree with everything you just said. Um, and in regards to the balance, I think that that's a huge thing because looking back, I, you know, you're just saying like reflecting back if things were to be different that's something that I would certainly try to improve on just the balance because in my head I was like I'm all in I need to be fully committed to this and I was but it takes a toll you know and you know maybe if there were you know with balance is really important and I think that's something that I figured out after afterwards and I and I've learned that now and I feel like I have a lot more balance in my life where I'm able to pursue excellence and try and be great at something and get better every day at something but have more balance in my life um, and it makes it that much more enjoyable um, yeah. along the way and then um, I think you touched on another important point which is trying to better yourself and make yourself better but also simultaneously try and make the team better so we're in a situation where like you said there's 25 of us we're breaking it down it's going to get cut down to 21 you don't want to be one of the four that gets cut how do you make yourself better so you're not one of those four but also make the team better and make the people around you better because yep. you want to be a good teammate um so that is a that's something that um is a very special balance and it takes skill and it takes um it's it's tough and i think that we all learn that throughout that journey and um i think that it's a special skill to carry on after sports um sure. so I just yeah. Point on that as well. yeah so before we get into making the team um i'll comment on this after you but was there ever a point where you thought you weren't gonna make the team I mean, kind of like what I was saying before, that was something I was trying not to think about. Like, am I not going to make this team? Um, and I think, so when you have 25 people and you're cutting it down to 21, that's a lot of people. And we had a lot of defensemen on the team. Um, and really, I was just trying to say, okay, like this, I've been working for this my whole life. I'm trying to look forward and I'm just trying to get better every day. And when something bad happened or when I felt like I was in a situation that maybe wasn't good, maybe I didn't have a good game or I didn't get good feedback, those things, when they happen, it's just like, okay, how do I fix this? I need to fix yeah. this and I need to get better. And this is not a good situation. So I try to not think, am I making the team? Am I not making the team? I try to think, Am I getting better? Am I progressing? Because I felt that if I kept that mindset, I will make the team and without going crazy. Um, and so that was just something I, I tried to do. Um, That's good. I mean, yeah, like um, I said, you, you <laughs> mentally were in a, a lot more advanced place than I was at the time. Um, it's, but no, I mean, it's, it's cause that's something now that, you know, I, I try to preach a lot with kids that I coach and people I work with. And, um, mm. it's true. I mean, you were, you were much more process focused. Meanwhile, I was like daily obsessing over the outcome. Like I was so worried about, oh my gosh, what if I get cut and my parents have spent thousands of dollars to fly over to Russia and I'm not there. Yeah. That was, oh, for sure. That was definitely something I was thinking about too. I, I like, I can't pretend that that's not something I was thinking about because like our families had to buy tickets. They had to get hotels. And I'm like, mom, I don't, I don't know if I'm making this team. I hope I'm making the team. And like, I don't know if you have to buy tickets right now, you know, like it's, yeah, it's, it's tough for yeah. sure. I was really lucky. My parents, I mean, they were really great about the whole thing. They, you know, I know that they were just as stressed as I was, but my, my dad always said, he goes, Lindsay, if you don't make this team, the only thing we have to worry about is figuring out how we're still going to get you to Russia to support this team. Like that was always their mindset. Like they were going no matter what. And if I got cut, they were bringing me with them. Um, now would I have wanted to go if I got cut? I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, but no, they were, they were really great about it, which definitely took some of the pressure off, but um, you know, for me, there was like, we had just finished up 
Well, actually, I, it's funny. Like, I, I don't know if I've just blocked a lot out, but like, there were like multiple things that happened that I look back on now that I'm like, wow, that no wonder I was like stressed all the time. Like right out of the gate, we had fitness testing and I went down with that like hip injury that kept me out for the first two weeks of practice. Then I always forget about this one. I had like these cysts that I was like, <laughs> literally hospitalized for. Yeah. <laughs> And it took, that took me out. So I only played in like one or two games, maybe in four nations um, and played awful. Like we lost to Finland. Two of the goals were definitely my fault. And I remember getting back from that weekend and, but I had scored against Canada. It was my only goal against Canada ever. So it was like a really weird tournament. It was in November. We knew that we had to find out if we had made the team by January 1st. And I remember getting back and coach Witt like pulled me aside and was like, Hey, how do you think you're playing? And I'm like, I think I'm playing great. I scored a goal against Canada. I'm coming back from my injury. Things are good. And she goes, yeah, I don't really agree. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. And she basically I'm told me, she's like, you better start playing better or you're not going to make this team. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I have a month to prove myself. It was like, crazy stressful but um you know at first I was just totally gripping my stick too tight I was just like so so worried and finally I I, it was like right before the Christmas time frame and I was like you know what I just I have to just play my game and have fun and whatever happens happens it was like the first time that entire experience I had I had decided that that's how I was going to play and I had like an awesome practice and it was right before we were going to North Dakota which was the last time we were going to play with each other before Christmas break and I don't know I just I had a really good skate and felt really good and then we went to North Dakota and we uh after that game in against Canada and North Dakota is when we found out that we had made the team um which was I don't know it's it was one of those things and I don't know how you feel Jose but um, you know, it's one of those moments that you dream about your entire life. And it was, at least for me, like it was bizarre. Like we're in like a hotel banquet room and coach comes in and just like kind of quietly reads him off and says, congratulations. And then the people who got cut, like came into the room and it was like, you almost had the, like, it, obviously you're so happy inside but then you have to like say goodbye to your teammates whose dreams just got obliterated. And it was, it was a, it was, I don't know. It was a bizarre moment. Like, how are you feeling during that time? Yeah. I, I mean, I like to, I think it's interesting to compare Lake Placid when we first made the 20, five-person roster and then to compare the 21-person roster when we were in North Dakota because my my emotions were pretty different so when we were in Lake Placid I I like rarely ever cry I'm not sure if you like how much you've seen me cry but (laughs) I mean when I made the team or the 25-person roster in Lake Placid I just like stepped down the hallway like saw Buser and just started like tearing up and I was just like oh my gosh like I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was even going to be healthy enough to like be there and then it it worked out and it was just I was just so happy and then in North Dakota I think at that point I don't want to speak for you, but I think for me, like we had been through a lot by that point. Like, you know, you're talking, you were talking a little bit about, but just how every day they're trying to put us in situations that challenge us and make us uncomfortable to push us outside our comfort zone. And it starts to take a toll over time. And at that point, I was just like, I better make this team. Like I've put everything I could into this. Yeah. I don't like, if I don't like, I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to say, but like, gosh, I, I hope I make this. And when I, you know, when we made it, I was just like, like almost like, thank God, you know, like, you're almost I was like just numb. tired. Yeah. I was just like, gosh, all right, let's go do this. You know, like, for sure. I don't know. 
Yeah. But definitely different, different things and different feelings emotionally compared to the two. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's weird too. Cause I know you're saying it, it was so long ago. So I think there's a lot of things I do forget, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't know, as we're talking, I remember more and more details, but um, yeah, it's, I mean, definitely ups and downs. Some of my most amazing, powerful and positive moments and some of, some of my lowest moments during the whole journey. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you talk about getting pushed out of your comfort zone. Like, I remember one of the most challenging times for me was, you know, Kessel was hurt. Amanda was hurt for really most of our like training season. Um, she had, I can't even remember all of the injuries that she was dealing with. Um, but, you know, I always, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I think to protect myself, sort of like you were saying, like, I kind of had it in my head, like, I'm, I'm here to be a fourth line grinder. That's my role. I'm, I know my role. I'm good at my role. Like, that's what I'm going to be on this team. And which was very different than my role on our Harvard team. Like I was a goal scorer and that was my job there. And when, when Kessel was hurt, like I was, I was frequently up on, you know, the second line playing with Kendall and Decker and, um, and I started to kind of generate some confidence there. And when Kess came back, it was after we had made the team and Kess came back in January and I got bumped back to the fourth line. And I I will never forget. We played in, it was at like a high school in Boston. We were scrimmaging a high school boys team. And I'm thinking Mm -hmm. to myself, like, there's no, like, yeah, okay, we're on the fourth line, but like, I'll definitely, we'll still play. It's a scrimmage. And Chewy and I got like two shifts that game. And my parents were there like that. So for me, it was like, you know, even after we had made the team, it was kind of like you still were mentally adjusting constantly to the different scenarios that were being thrown at you. And you just, you had to be ready to go and you had to figure it out and you had to accept the fact that, you know what, if I only get two shifts in this game, I, the coach is going to put me on the bike and I'm going to have to do a conditioning workout after. And that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just like a never ending mental challenge, which, which is good. And that's, you know, it's a huge part of being there. So let's fast forward. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to dive into every detail, but I guess for you, let's talk about just the overall, like we are in Sochi, the overall experience. What are three things that really stick out to you? It can be as small as like something in the dining hall to as big as the gold medal game. Like what are, what are three things that were really unique and and have stuck with you through the years? Yeah, that's a good good question. So one is definitely the dining hall um, and different things about the dining hall. So first, just having the opportunity to engage and interact with other athletes was very cool in the dining hall. Um, Two was the food choices. We were there for quite a while. And by the end of it, I found myself mostly relying on rice, dumplings, and pancakes, which is really not the healthiest of meals, especially when you're trying to compete um, at the highest level. Um, but, you know, the food choices, I've, I'm curious what you think about the food. I'm sure we've talked about it when we were there, but I just, and when I got back, I couldn't even look at a dumpling for years. My gosh. Um, so one is definitely the dining hall. Um, also the McDonald's in the dining hall. That was interesting. Um, yeah. And then um, two, um, one of the coolest days for me, this is outside of hockey, just being able to take in the village. Um, I don't know if you were there, but a few of us went on a little bike ride. You know how we got to get those bikes mm-hmm. and we got to, you know, That's how we to got around. Yeah. yeah. And I know the first few days we weren't allowed to use the bikes because the coaches didn't want us like exert overly exerting ourselves. But then at some point they said that we could bike around, which was easier because then we didn't have to walk those distances. Right. But anyways, um, or sit in a tight bus. Right. That was so anyways, just biking around. It was a beautiful day. The sun was just about to set and a few of us were just like riding around like some of the buildings in the village and it was just 
a moment to like take it take in yeah. like how lucky we were to be there um and for some reason that moment just like sticks in my memory um and then definitely um stepping on the ice for the first time in like on the rink i remember you know having our practice jerseys on and just stepping on the ice and kind of like looking around the whole rink that was special yeah. um just because we were finally there and it was time to time to get going so how about you yeah i mean the the dining hall was is definitely a memory and i think a lot of it has to do with you just spent a lot of time there and that's like really that was like the social hub like yeah mm -hmm. there was like a little social area with like video games and stuff but mm -hmm. people didn't really congregate there that much um so yeah it was cool i mean it was for me it was it was awesome like oliver ekman larson who's the captain of the coyotes was there playing for team sweden and i remember like talking with him i remember like reaching for uh i was like reaching for something at the salad bar and like somebody else's hand was reaching for the same thing and i was like oh sorry and i look up and it's like ovechkin <laughs> and like and i like talked to uh um uh, timo solani who was like one of my heroes growing up and i don't know that that was super cool um it was funny though do you remember we were this might be what you're about to say, but do you remember how coach was like, when we're there, like, we are not like fawning over the NHL players. Oh, like yeah. you guys are just as professional as they are. And like, they should be wanting to get their picture taken with you. Like it was, which was kind of cool. And it was true. It was like kind of nice to walk around and be like, in this arena, we are equal. And that's, you know, that's different than real life. And it still is. Um, but yeah, the McDonald's thing was, was interesting. It was funny because some of the figure skaters ate, they like ate McDonald's as their pregame thing. They would eat those chicken wraps because they were like, I trust this as like something that's familiar to me more than I trust the stuff that's being cooked by the people here at the dining hall who I don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, for mm -hmm. me, I had kind of a similar like take in the moment uh, experience when I, it was like at night, I think it was after one of our practices or something, and there was a game going on in the men's arena. And what was cool, if you haven't seen it and you're listening, you should go Google it. It was called the Bolshoi, right? The men's arena. Ours, oh, was, yeah. called, ours was called Shiba, theirs was called the Bolshoi. And what was cool is it was the whole top of this dome of this arena was covered in LED lights. So it would mm -hmm. show like a flag and the score of the game. And it would just like kind of light up the night. It was really cool. And I remember just like looking at that from a distance. And mm -hmm. I don't even remember which teams were playing, but it was just like one of those moments where I was like, I'm in freaking Russia and like at the olympic games like so yeah i definitely had that moment um and same thing like you the first time we went on the ice um it was really cool because my brother was like for practice my my brother was like watching us come out of the tunnel and he's like 19 years old at the time and his voice like cracked like he was so excited to like see me and he's like oh, Lindsay <laughs> and I like remember like I was like so emotional because having my family there was just like seriously for me the highlight of of everything and and it was just one of those things where it was like how did this little girl from Chandler Arizona make it here and it's because of them like if I didn't have my family support I I wouldn't have been there and I'm sure you feel the same and um mm. but yeah so it's I don't know like I said it's it's hard because we could go into like so many different details we should talk a little bit um I will I will fully own the fact that I was probably not the best of roommates at the time because I was such a head case. <laughs> but Jose and I Jose and I were roommates and uh it was I don't know, it was I that was that was fun just given the fact that, you know, we were friends at Harvard and um to be able to share that experience with each other was was definitely awesome and you were always someone I looked up to at school and then to be there with you. And, um, but yeah, it was, I don't know. I, I barely remember. It's like so weird how it escapes you. <laughs> I mean, what I remember because 
we weren't really supposed to go out and do too much mm -hmm. so we were kind of it felt I like think, this it felt like quarantine <laughs> yeah we were kind of caught up in like locked up in the room a little more than i would have hoped like i wish we kind of got to go out and do more and see our families more but we weren't really able to interact too much with our families and go out and just get fresh air and you know enjoy the village as much as we might hope but that was the decision that was made based off of you know the our older teammates and the leaders on the team and the coaching staff just that you know we don't want to get distracted and let me know if i'm missing anything but to and to conserve our energy um so we were in the room a lot more than i had anticipated and you were so nice you let me use your computer so much because I don't think I had a laptop or I didn't have a laptop with a CD disc so you let me like watch some DVDs with your laptop that was really nice um <laughs> I do yeah, I, I remember I was like I was nose deep in a book the entire time I was reading like one of the books by Dan Brown it wasn't the Da Vinci Code but it was one of the other ones and I was like just powering through that book yeah no, and so I, so I was gonna bring this to your wedding, so I'm kind of spoiling it now, but while we were at the Olympics, I bought my little disposable oh my camera, <laughs> and I took a whole bunch of pictures, and you're in so many of the pictures, um, but I still have not developed those pictures, and we're how many years later? Like six or seven years later, so there's a lot of pictures that I have that um, we can look through together once I develop them. Oh uh, but I have two cameras oh. worth. And it all also goes through to our senior year at Harvard, too, when we went back and I still had photos left and I was just snapping away. So I have no idea what's on there. All I know is it's from the Olympics and from our last year at Harvard. And you're in a lot of them. So at some point when I see you, I'll develop them and we can go through them. Oh, my gosh. That's so fun. Yeah, your disposable camera was definitely a highlight. <laughs> like, it wasn't like we didn't have access to our phones. You were just, it was just a really cool, unique idea. And I'm so thankful you did that because it's that's going to be a lot of fun to go through. Um, gosh, mm -hmm. especially with senior year pictures on there. <laughs> the microphone better be in some of them. Yeah. <laughs> Where is that thing? I I have no idea, but I wish I knew. My money would have been on you having it. Did no, I take it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um so okay, let's I know we we've been going for quite a while. Um but I do want to bring I, I I do think it's important especially because you know, there are a lot of people who especially this year like nationals got canceled. Um and just kind of like the deflating feeling of not necessarily having the ending that you want. Um, you know, obviously for, it was a really tough loss. Um, and for those of you who didn't watch, we were winning two nothing with two minutes left in the game. Canada came back and tied it. Um, we went into overtime and we ended up losing and it was just a really, really challenging way for that whole experience to end. Um, so just, talk a little bit about that and and how that felt and I guess just kind of the lessons learned from it yeah um I mean that was certainly a really tough pill to swallow um you know just having to walk away from Sochi with both our team and personally not feeling like we met the expectations um and for me I pretty much knew that that was the end of my road um just with my like injury history that that was you know it for me that that was the big moment for me that unfortunately didn't um go as we had all hoped um and a big decision for me was do i want to keep training and try and redeem this loss and try and you know make the next national team and whatever or you know is it really do I need to stick to you know this plan that I had that it's the promise I made to myself to be able to move on um but yeah that was really hard to to accept that and I think the only thing that eased the pain for me was time um also just 
trying to reflect back, um, I think it's so important for people to set goals and to put their everything into what they're doing. And all of us put our everything into that. And we felt like we were prepared and we were gonna make happen what you know we set out to do, but it didn't happen. Um, and that made it more painful because of because we put our everything, absolute everything into that. Um, and I think people set goals all the time that they don't reach, uh, but they're brave enough to to go forward and to put all their energy and and work into that. Um, so it's something that I think you have to be brave enough to do to put everything into it. But and accept that it might not happen in the end. But if you enjoy the trip and enjoy the journey, then you still find something good from it and there are still lessons that you can take from it so you know i tried to look at it in that way like all of the amazing moments that we had from the the journey all of the lessons that i learned from the journey um helped ease the pain just a little bit um but it definitely was very painful um i think what you said was very true with um, even after we made the Olympic team, we were still, you know, being challenged every day, even at the, in Sochi, I remember that we were still being challenged every day, um, where, you know, the coaches were demanding more of us and we're still trying to get better even while we were there and things changed even in Sochi and, um, that were, you know, things that, I had to accept following the games, you know, it's, it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. Just thinking going into Sochi, I had these expectations about how things I hope to go and then leave Sochi. And that's not how it, how it ended up, but, um, you know, just have to learn from it. Um, just accept that, you know, I did everything that I could. We all did everything we could. Um, it didn't work out, but, um, I'm glad that we did it and, you know, it's something that an experience I'll cherish forever, but definitely, definitely, um, you know, people are always like, you're an Olympic medalist, like amazing. And I'm like, yeah, but we, we lost gold. Okay. Yes. You I know. know it's hard. I mean, it's, it's so hard. Um, Decker recently, there was this video where she was like, when we, when we lost in Sochi, she's like, nobody cared. She's like, they said they cared, but nobody cared. Like we came home, there were maybe 20 people waiting for us at the airport. Um, all of the shows that we were supposed to go on afterwards got canceled. Like we were supposed to go on Ellen, that got canceled. We were supposed to go on all these other things. And she goes, and then when we won gold, all of a sudden everybody cared about us and cared about women's hockey. And they went on like a three week media tour. And, you know, mm -hmm. not that we necessarily did it for the glory. We didn't, but it's, it is hard because, you know, when people say that to you, it's not, oh, we were the second best team in the world. It feels like in, in the world of women's hockey, where it's primarily us in Canada, um, and obviously some other countries are now coming up and, and getting better and better each year, but it, it felt like there was either winning or losing. There was no in between. You either won or you lost. And uh, it, it's, it is hard to really appreciate everything that you know that experience gave to us sometimes but I think now like you said with time you kind of learn to still accept that there's always going to be that pain there's always going to be a little bit of a sting but you're able to really appreciate the great things that have come from the experience whether that's the lessons you've learned the people you've met the opportunities that it's led to down the road um, and and yeah it's it's interesting because I remember vividly like I was asking you, cause we were, like you said, we were, we were stuck in our rooms a lot of the time. So we were just bored. And I would like ask you multiple times, like, are you going to try to play another one? Are you going to keep playing after this? What are you going to do? And you would, you just like totally saved face. You like, wouldn't give me an answer. And then as soon as we got back to our rooms that night, after that game, you were like, I've been playing on borrowed time. Like, there's no way I'm going to play another one. Like I'm, I'm done after this. And that for me was just kind of this like, wow, like that moment really made it feel like, yeah, this, this whole experience is over now. 
and tomorrow's a new day and this is now now in the past and um so that was that was definitely kind of a weird experience um so let's transition yeah. this uh, is just one, just one more thing off of that too and i remember just for like for some reason that's like a big topic of discuss not big topic but it often comes up like who's going to keep playing who's not going to play and yeah. I just like, didn't want to be a part of any of those discussions you know from other people like just being like oh this person's not going to play after this because then it's it I feel like it changes the vibe to a certain extent it's like oh they plan on does this person plan on retiring does this person you know it's just yeah I think I think there's a time and place to for that information to come out. And, you know, I think, I don't know, that, that was just, it felt like I didn't want to be thinking of it like in the moment, you know, like our goal at that point was to execute and, and to, to make, to make it happen. And unfortunately, you know, it didn't happen, but yeah. way it ended. Yep. And I, I do want to say one other thing, like just relating back to um, any like young viewers or anything else. Like if you, you know, we talked a little bit about adversity in the beginning of this and Lindsay, like we both talked about like our different challenges that we faced, like mentally, mental toughness wise, and like just the games that you have to overcome in, in sports and in general. Um, and I think something to keep in mind is that every single person on the Olympic team faced adversity in like some capacity throughout their careers. And the difference between people who aren't on the team and people who are, one of those differences is like the way that you're able to deal with adversity. Because every single person on that team has faced adversity. And they're, you know, just find a way to deal with it and overcome it and, and get better at it. Um, so that's one thing. And then the second thing I just want to say is like, hopefully from this experience, it's like, don't fear not dreaming big and like not reaching those goals. Like it's better to, to reach for those big goals and to not reach the goal to just fall short because you've come all this way. So like if you aim high, you're still, you're still going to develop so much um, as opposed to if you set these little goals for yourself, you're you're not growing as much as you could. You're not reaching your, your full potential. So just don't fear failure. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, that's that's brilliant, and it's it's so true. Um, and it's funny. I wasn't actually going to talk about this, but it's funny because we went back. You for our senior year, you didn't play the first half of the season. Like you were done, and then realized that nope you wanted to come back and finish out your senior season which we were obviously pumped about to have you back and we went to the frozen four and we got second there yeah. <laughs> and that was you know that was really hard it was like two back to back like on one hand yeah. you're so happy you're like literally living your dream and then you come mm -hmm. up short not once but twice and but I like you said I mean you just I think the way that you develop if we hadn't been dreaming about being national champions our senior year, then we probably wouldn't have become runner up. Like we probably wouldn't have even made it to the tournament. So you're absolutely right. You have to dream big so that you can get further. Um, even if you don't always hit your goal. So let's just kind of wrap it up. Um, what are you, let's talk about one, what you're doing now with all of the medical stuff, but let's also talk too about, you know, you, how you kind of took your adversity and turned it into something positive with headway. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yep. So during my concussion experience, just trying to recover, um, I met a lot of different doctors and some were very discouraging and I felt like weren't really giving me any answers. And there was one doctor who was really inspiring to me. And like I said before, Dr. Carrick, like he gave me the path to get to where I needed to be. And that his ability to give me my hope back and my dreams um, was just life-changing for me. And I immediately, right, um, like during my recovery, started working in a research lab. Um, right when I went back to Harvard, I'd started taking pre-med classes and I wanted to go to medical school and become a doctor. So now I'm in medical school, I'm in my second year. Um, we're currently 
uh, we're supposed to be doing our clinical rotations right now, but given everything going on with COVID-19, the AMA released a report to remove medical students from the hospitals um, and the front lines just because we, we don't have the training at this point. Um, and as a lot of people have probably heard, the medical students who are fourth years have graduated early so that they can be sent to the front lines in different hospitals. Um, so I'm, I'm in the middle of the training and that's been a great experience so far. Um, and you're not just in med school. Like, talk about yeah, so, what type of med school you're in because it's it yep. just is such a testament to who you are as a person. Um, so I'm also in the military. So I'm in the U.S. Army and I'm a lieutenant. Um, so basically, I'm, I'm active duty right now. Um, we do like military training. Last summer, I did air assault school. Um, that was great relying on my uh, previous experiences with sports. So um, was able to do that at Fort Campbell. Um, and then I'll be doing my residency at military hospital. And then after residency, I'll be serving as a doctor in the military um, for several years and um, can get deployed during that time. Um, but just, I guess, being in the training environment now, I'm able to learn from veterans, from active duty soldiers, from families of active duty soldiers, and that's very inspiring, just hearing their stories. And sadly, like also seeing the impact that war has on soldiers. And hopefully at some point in my training, I'll, I'll be capable of um, providing the answers that I was able to be provided by my doctor when I had my concussion, because so many soldiers are suffering from brain injuries and um, just a lot of different things. But um, so that's, that's one part of, that's most of my time right now. Um, and then after the games, um, I co-founded Headway Foundation. So Lindsay was kind enough to come talk to our interns at Headway uh, last summer, and they really, really appreciated that. But basically, we're a nonprofit uh, where we're trying to promote uh, social change revolving around concussions. We're also trying to provide more resources for patients who are going through concussions. So our big annual event is the Concussion Awareness Week, where we're trying to encourage athletes to be honest about symptoms, not play through them and hide them, um, to support teammates who are going through the injury because it can be really isolating, and then to just try to avoid those cheap shots to the head and from behind um, because they can obviously have seen lead to significant head injuries. Um, and then the other side of our foundation is something called our concussion circle. And our concussion circle actually takes up most of our resources, I would say, most of our time. Um, and it's where those who have post-concussion syndrome, um, they can sign up on our website. And then we reach out to them. Someone on our team will have a phone call with them um, and just try and provide some information, connect with them. Um, and I, I think that that's something that I'm really proud of with the organization, that we're able to make the recovery process, we're able to help them along with the recovery process and let them know that they're not alone with it and um, give them some advice about different treatment options that have worked for us and different resources. Uh, but one thing, sorry, I'm, I'm talking a lot right now, but I do wanna say one last thing is that, you know, during this whole COVID-19, so many of us, like a lot of us are being affected in different ways. I think we're all being affected in the sense that, you know, we're, we have to be more isolated and be at home. Um, some of us have no people who are affected. Some of us have family members affected or personally affected um, or, you know, are personally affected by family members who may have passed away from this. And it's, it's tragic. And um, I think that we're all trying to do our best with it. Um, but for those who, you know, may be at home and not sure what to do, I, you know, our co-founder Paige Decker for Headway, she had mentioned um, the other day how, to a certain extent, um, some of the lessons that we learned during 
concussion recovery can are also things that could be useful now during COVID-19. Just some people might be dealing with more isolation than they're used to. They're not able to be at the rink, be at school, be around their friends like they used to. Um, and just figuring out how to set a schedule, how to maybe reframe your goals a little bit, but keeping those big goals in mind that you can still get there, but you just might have to adjust your path and how you're going to get there. Good. Totally. No, and that's, that's great advice. And I think everybody's just kind of got to be patient right now. And we're all sort of in that same boat and it's definitely challenging, but it doesn't mean that, you know, at the end of the day, the thing I've been saying is the people who really use this extra time um, to practice, you know, a lot of positivity, whether that's gratitude for getting to be at home with your family more getting to maybe get more rest than you're used to getting and just kind of mentally recharge um, and just kind of, I think, ultimately appreciate the freedom that we have. Like I, this is super interesting. I, I said to someone the other day, the only other time I've ever felt like this where I was told I couldn't go outside was when we were living in Boston, when the Boston bombing suspects were on the loose. And mm -hmm. we were told like, you are to stay in your rooms unless you are walking the 30 feet to go to the dining hall to eat. But otherwise it's, you stay inside. And I remember in college, like that was the first time I really learned to appreciate what it was like to live in a free country. And we're kind of all going through that right now. So I think just, you know, continue to practice gratitude, try to be as positive as you can and, um, you know, be patient because we're all going to come out of this and, you know, we just got to come out of it stronger. So, um, mm -hmm. well, Joe, this has been awesome. Thank you for taking the time to do this. And uh, I just, you know, I think your story, having kind of lived it alongside you, it's it's always been inspirational, not just to me, but for anyone who's played with you and um, has really had the opportunity to be mentored by you. And um, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky to call you my friend. So thank you for all that you yeah. do. No, I, I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you thinking of me and having me on your podcast here. And I also think it's so valuable um, how you're willing to share the good and the bad and be vulnerable in front of viewers and listeners because, um, you know, that is going to make the difference for people and um, what people that are listening can really learn from and draw from. Um, and then obviously just thanks for always being a great teammate. And I think that, um, you know, all along throughout Harvard and the Olympic games, um, you were always just, you know, positive and there and, um, you know, trying to make things and situations around you better. Um, and I think we've had a lot of great conversations throughout the years. And um, many of those conversations have stuck with me. And, you know, I feel like looking back, I said, there are a lot of things that I don't remember and there are some things that I do. And I know that we've had some great conversations over the years that have led to, you know, some more lessons that are learned and, um, you know, great insight. Um, so, and words of encouragement, of course, too. So really appreciate that. Um, but anyways, thank you again for having me on here and um, wishing you the best during this time and all the listeners during this time. Uh, stay safe and healthy. Awesome. Well, thanks, Joe. We should uh, we should do this again sometime. We don't have to record it, but <laughs> I, miss, I miss seeing your face and it was awesome catching up with you. Okay, cool. Have a good one. Thanks. Right, you Bye, Joe. All right. Hey guys, thank you again so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, Joe dove into a lot of incredible mental performance concepts when she talked about the daily challenge of training for the Olympic Games and overcoming adversity in the form of a couple major concussions. If you are looking to improve your mental performance, head over to Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, um, follow Lindsay Fry 18 and you'll see mental performance concepts daily to help you get a little bit better so you can perform at the highest level possible as Josephine and I were able to do in our hockey careers. I uh, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I really hope you enjoyed this episode.